There is no single pathway to entrepreneurial success. Most of the entrepreneurs I've interviewed on this podcast have gone through unique ways to reach their goals, but there are similar milestones along the journey. There are common questions every entrepreneur should address as they build their business. How do I find an idea I should pursue? How do I validate the idea? How do I build the product? How do I launch it? How do I find and reach customers? How do I grow revenue and scale? How do I build community? Unity around my product? How do I build a team that we execute? How do I raise money? These are the fundamental questions every entrepreneur should be asking. The Hustle Bootcamp program will help you tackle these questions. The Hustle Bootcamp is an intensive five-week online program for high-performing individuals who want to build profitable, scalable, and fundable business in Africa. This is not your average online course. It is a coaching program. Everything in the course is designed designed towards enabling you to launch your new business or innovate an existing one. We are prioritizing transformation over information. There are five models in the program and they will be delivered over video along with worksheets, action plans, and step-by-step guides. But more importantly, every week during the program, I'll be hosting live office hours Q&A where we'll be breaking down key aspects of the course. And I'll have some of the guests from this podcast in the live Q&A. If you really want to build scale or get funding for your own business this is the program for you registration is now open and we'll be closing it very soon we have very limited seats go to the bootcamp.com that is t-h-e-h-u-s-t-l-e bootcamp.com the bootcamp.com and register now the next african story will be written by africans meet the people using technology innovation and entrepreneurship to craft this new narrative. This is Building the Future Podcast with your host, Doton, coming up today on Building the Future. Um, we had planned going swimming with my best friend. When you read the news of Goku, we were like that third June 2015, over 215 people lost their life in cycle. And according to the National Fire Service, the main drainage systems were choked as a result of plastic waste city got flooded. The only place that Mike, which is my best friend, took refuge in was a filling station. And um, there was fire in the filling station. People couldn't swim. And that was how the incident happened. I just couldn't believe what happened. Your friend died in an avoidable disaster. Exactly. Because of waste culture. This series is in partnership with the British Council in Nigeria. The British Council is the UK's international organization for cultural relations and educational opportunities. All opinions expressed by me and the podcast guests are solely ours and does not reflect the opinion or policies of the British Council. For more information about the British Council, go to britishcouncil.org.ng. My guest today is Prince Kwame Abata. He's a co-founder of Koliba. Koliba is a business that I'm a bit familiar with because there's a business model like that in Nigeria that I've been to this podcast and we cycle And Koliba is doing exactly the same, which is turning waste into a 
product. Basically getting waste and recycling them and sorting them out and selling those uh, recycled and sorted waste as a kind of product that people can use to manufacture stuff. So I'm going to allow Prince to explain more about it, but I find that very fascinating. What he's doing is a very, very good business. So Prince, welcome to Building the Future. Thank you so much. So tell me about Colabar. So um, basically, we are changing the recycling paradigm in Ghana and in Abidjan. So what Colibar seeks to do is to leverage on technology, SMS and voice um, in local dialects to reach out to Ghanaians in all set of sectors, educate them on the need to segregate their waste and then get incentivized for their waste. And then we pick up those wastes and then we now add value to it where it has to be added value and we sell to our customers, which are the recycling companies. What do you turn the waste to at the end? So currently what we do now is we pick up we wash where it has to be washed and then we now sell to the recycling companies at a competitive price. You sell to recycling companies? We sell to recycling So you're the company. one that will recycle it? We don't recycle yet. It's a two-year plan to start recycling. So for now, we buy uh, from communities that we don't buy, we pick up for free. From schools we don't buy, we pick up for free. And then we now sell to our recycling company. And you pick up all the waste and then you then pick, you then segregate them or there's specific items that you pick up. So again, we leverage on technology to build that segregation culture. So what happens is that we go to a school, we have our being there, we educate a school in the essence of segregating their waste. The focus, the reason why the recycling companies pay us a good price than what they pay scavengers is the fact that scavengers pick from the ground, these are dirty waste and it affects their machine. So Colibar model is to ensure that waste should be segregated right from the household. So you drink your water, you have our container, our trashy bag, you separate it for us. You notify us through our platform. We can pick up, we supply to the recycling company. So that means it's from table or from kitchen to the recycling companies. And that is clean waste. It gives the recycling companies a good end product, which gives them value for their money. And then they pay us a good price. For so that. they then package it and sell it to so manufacturers that need that as a raw material. As raw material for Exactly. Them. So they process it into pellets, which are used for t-shirts and other so it's a bit different from recycler which does all of that so recycler we buy waste and segregate and separate them and recycle and then sell as production materials to companies that want to buy them so they sell in tons and pellets so but you are one step in the ecosystem where you just collect separate and using technology to facilitate that and then you sell to recyclers we then sell to the companies that need it as exactly that's what we do for now so well, your intention is to be involved in the whole value chain. Exactly. The intention is to spread to the whole value chain. We'll even be introducing e-waste recycling, hopefully in September. So we want to go into the whole value chain of recycling, e-waste, and plastic. So tell me how they already started. You have a fascinating story about how you started your business. What led you to this? What are the key things that you were doing before doing this? Okay, so basically, I started this in 2015. I was a final year student in Ghana Technology University College. First class for that matter. My focus was just finish school, get a best job. So you had first class? I'm a first class student. What did you study? 
I did our information technology, focus on software development, and was so passionate about it. And the focus was complete work with Google Ghana and um, done internship with Google Ghana. And I've even worked with Microsoft internship as well. So my focus was totally on the tech sector, get a good job. I'm the first family more like uh, to really complete a university. My dad went up to Polytechnic and then he taught as a teacher for some time. So that was the goal. Until the 3rd of June, that same year, 2015, um, we had planned going swimming with my best friend. And um, right at the circle of flood, when you read the news of Google, you realize that 3rd June 2015, over 215 people lost their life in circle. This was a very- In circle. In circle. The West central West part central. of Accra. Okay. It was a national morning day, actually. Because the main drainage system, according to the National Fire Service, the main drainage systems were choked as a result of plastic waste. I mean, solid waste. And 90% of these solid waste were plastic waste. So as a result of the choke, city got flooded. The only place that Mike, which is my best friend, took refuge in was a filling station. Most people took refuge in the filling station. Other facilities were closed up. And um, there was fire in the filling station. People couldn't swim amen that was how the incident happened. So I spent the week I left school. I even took a semester off because I just couldn't believe what happened. I spent a week on the ground of circle trying to figure out and investigate what was real, really you the cause. You got hit by that like a personal tragedy that your friend died in an avoidable disaster exactly because of waste culture and even proud to that the ama has been distilling this or done wherever they distill it out of waste but that previous week they didn't and if they had it wouldn't have occurred so i was basically angry with the local government i believe the government had done their work i mean this flood would have managed and wouldn't have happened so to relieve myself of the stress and anger i went on a trip there's this venture bus trip Ampion. we started from liberia all the way to uh, nigeria so it was on the bus that i realized that the waste problem was regional even in abidjan is and you went on abidjan trip with this idea with this idea yeah but it was then a problem and anger. I didn't go with the refined idea. To, business idea, yeah. Exactly. So I got on the bus and on the bus Abidjan, I realized their beaches are filled with waste, everywhere waste, even Togo. I realized it was a regional problem. So it was on the bus that I met three other co-founders. They were friends by then. I told them, this is the problem. I want to solve this problem. I'm a software programmer. How do we do this? So um, basically that was how we built the concept around Coleba. And that is how we started in 2015. What was your MVP when you started? So when we started Coliber, it was just a software. So the software was just a software to educate people on waste segregation. And we focused on traditional companies like Zoom Lion and all that so that they can as well subscribe their customers to that platform and then they can notify them for pickup. This proposal was sent to most of these waste companies. It was not really being used. It was really a tough thing. So we had to rechange the model. And that is what is in operation now. Um, and also the software will be released, but this time around we are including SMS and other functionalities to release and see how best we can get traditional companies. And up. what is the model now? So the model is simple. What we do is we use voice, local languages. There's a teledata platform whereby we have our users' numbers and registration. We send them a voice in local dialect, which they get on their phone. So like someone is calling you, you pick it up and then the voice it's recorded by our team members and it goes out. We are doing a pickup on this particular day. If you'll be available, please just press one. If you are That's not, really interesting. That's a good way to actually engage with people. 
another context is, is annoying, right? It's cold calling. Uh, people rarely get phone calls, uh, any phone calls to them, and it's educational will be helpful, and they can pick it up and then press one. Yeah, so you build the technology to do that. We didn't build the technology. We are in partnership with Teledata, and they give us a technology at an amazingly low price. It's awesome. It's an offer that is not available anywhere. So, so that is a platform we use. That's, you use that, and that's to educate people. To educate not just people, but our customers. Because the problem is sometimes we go there, segregation is not properly done, which gives our agent extra work. So we emphasize the essence of them segregating and using a trash bag, and so to confirm their presence. Because sometimes we go to a community, the owner is not there, and we can't pick it up. So this allows us to reduce the latency and be more effective on the ground. And that way, you're able to then spend less time segregating and you can get more. Exactly. So your business at the moment is buying waste from those people that have been segregated and are selling it. So how is the margin like for that? Because you have to pay initially. So basically what happens at the moment is we buy at 40, 0.40. 40 CDs. Best worth. Pesos. 40 yeah. cities, 40 pesos. No, not 40 cities, 40 pesos. Okay, so 40 pesos, yeah. And then you sell at what? We sell at one city. That's like 60%. Or 120%. 100, sorry, 120%. <laughs> yes. 120%. That's 100%, 100% actually. Yeah, 120%. 120%, yeah. Yeah. 120% margin. Exactly. However, that's huge, but not so huge enough because a lot of factors will then reduce the margin. Now, we pick it up, we're paying 40 pesos per kilo and we are selling at one CD per kilo, but we have to factor transportation. Okay. We have to factor the bags we give them. We have to factor the wage we give our agents. So all these things are cost. And then if you do all of that, we still have some decent margin. Yeah, our margins are normally between 17% to 20%. And then you do like how many of those per day or per month? So currently we do we pick up some weekends. That is what our model has been. The maximum we've hit is two tons a month. Two tons of that. A month. So two tons times... One pesos. That is uh, and one two, CDs. It's some um, two thousand CDs, around five hundred dollars a month. A month. So that's still low. It's low. So what's the capacity that you can get? The recycling companies are telling us that their machines recycle one ton a day, and we are giving them two tons a month. So that's still low. It's too low. So what do you need to do to increase the amount of logistics? So that's the challenge, getting the, the right. So it's not about the demand because people produce waste every day anyway, and they're willing to get 40 pesos per kilo for that. But it's the logistics, how quickly you can go and collect. It's also about the demand because the recycling companies are looking for the demand. They are not meeting the demand. Right. So people are not throwing away as much waste as possible. People there is a lot of waste available, but they are not getting to the recycling companies. It's not a recycling so the recycling companies. Then, exactly. How quickly you can pick it up, pick, pick them, them up, and how many we can pick up and supply. So, so how do you drive that? So currently, um, the good thing is we have looked at investment. Uh, we've secured a track, actually, as we speak now. We got a track yesterday. We are working on registration licensing and insurance to get our own ground and we are hoping to increase close to five tons to six tons a month and you focus on accra and abidjan yeah and the capacity is huge and in these two cities the capacity is huge in abidjan because in abidjan it's a different model 
What's the modern? So they now Abidjan, what they do is that they use foot soldiers, these scavengers. There are scavengers already on ground. Oh, so they are just leveraging on the scavenger network. Exactly, which is already built and perfect in Kokode Abidjan. And your co-founder is from Abidjan. It's from Abidjan. Instead of trying to build a separate network of collectors, mm-hmm. does that mean that you imagine because these collectors will be paid more than just your average? Yeah. So in Abidjan, the issue is that Abidjan market structure is better. The waste companies pay more than it's paid here right so it, it's much more convenient so what's the value you're providing if you're using scavengers people that go to collect as a business compared to you collecting in accra what are the value you're providing to the waste collector? is it the same that okay when it's scavengers use your network the selection and the segregation is better abidjan model again mm-hmm. um, the benefit is that the collectors get very low price from the recycling companies. What they do is they go directly to the recycling companies. But if they bring it to Koliba in Abidjan, they bring it to the center where it is washed and cleaned. So they are equally paid the same price as the recycling company. However, one thing about the recycling companies in Abidjan is that they delay the payments. So you can bring a tone to them and they say, okay, we're going to pay you in three months' time or in a month's time. But when they come to you, you, you pay are them paid automatically. So they might not get paid as much as they will get paid with it. But they get paid enough. And these are people that need money consistently. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So yes. that is a huge difference in that and why they submit in Abidjan. So how do you see this? Because it looks like um, this is a very massive business that can scale in a big way. And you're using technology to optimize an existing industry what's the future of this what do you hope to see happen in five years time we have a huge audacious plan to be established across west africa and the focus is to build an inch in the recycling sector e-waste to paper recycling to plastic recycling so that is what we want to do and we're looking at a franchising model we don't need to logistically be available in every part to make this happen so that is what we are looking at a lawyer to file a franchise but at the moment it takes a long time to get a franchise so what we are doing is a partnership model which we want to run across other states in Ghana because Koforidia, even Takrade, we've had a recycling plant that we are in negotiation with and we are getting a team ready that can logistically handle the collection that without we necessarily being there. I was about to ask you that do you have plants where you are processing this and it's that a huge overhead as well? Do we have? Do you have plants as a physical plants that you do the processing from? For Coliva? Yes. We don't have plants. Okay, so it's lightweight. So it's lightweight. And then so Sorted at source, transported to the recycler. Immediately. Okay, so that makes you just like a logistic company. Exactly. But that is just for now. You don't have $70,000 to $100,000 to buy a recycling plant. And do you wait for long? So this is the first, first phase of the process. We're looking forward to get funding. Trust me, the value chain at the recycling is very high. If we are paid a ton, which is consisting of 1,000 kg, the recycling companies pay us 1,000 cities. If they recycle that same ton and they sell it to plastic manufacturing companies, they are paid a minimum of 4,000 cities for that same product. But they would have spent some money to process yes, it. Yes, but the, the margin is still... The margin is still high when you look at the over cost. So you realize that... Uh, um, it's a huge chain. But even now, our plan is next year to get a plant that will perform a part of the chain. So what we are going to do is that this is a process. You bring the plastic waste, it is washed, it is shredded, and it is melted and converted to pellets. The whole machine is expensive, $50,000. But it's a machine we are building. It washes it will move it to the shredder, it's shredded, like the way you use a knife to cut rubber into shreds, and then you sell to the companies. They are willing to buy it 2,000 CDs plus. 
for a ton, which is quite higher. And the plant is way cheaper than buying the whole set. So we're looking at a way to enter into that chain um, early next year. That's good. And I'd like to find that you're already building a Pan-African or West African company. Got the fact that you have this co-founders, you have a bigger perspective and an international perspective and it's building to your DNA. I wanted to ask about the challenge of building in two markets at the same time. How stressful or how good was that? Okay, so basically, I don't run Colliver Abidjan. It is run by my co-founder and it's run by the set of team which he pays per the revenue generated in Abidjan. What he does is to send monthly reports to the board as well as to me on what is happening and we vote on certain issues whether it should be done or not. So like, Abidjan's running separate a bit. Exactly. So like, you have that franchise model going on. Basically, yeah. but not legally. I know, yet. but then you have the understanding of how it can it's work. work. Exactly. Because one of the challenges that companies face is if you've been, which is a good thing to focus on one geography, focus on one particular sector, focus in a niche and then learn and have a template before you start thinking of internationalization. But the challenge at that point is also that by the time you want to internationalize your business, there's a lot of things to be difficult about remote working, mm-hmm. um, accountability, transferring the culture, model works. It's always a challenge. But the good idea is still that you have to start yeah. initially. But you are forced to do two countries at the same time. You've almost now gone through the father. You don't have that challenge of internationalization. No. You have this system of remote working, coordinating strategy and independence of responsibility and accountability. Exactly. And the rule is that we use the same logo. We use the same, nothing to change about the logo, motto, our branding. It's the same business. The same business. That is the rule. We don't change the design works and everything. But the financials and PNL is run in those two countries. Yeah. So they run it, they do the auditing themselves and then they share with us as well. So when you start going to other African countries, would that still be the model or you just do yep. so, franchise where you provide your franchise so we have, with something? Yeah, we have four co-founders. One is in Abidjan, which is Cote d'Ivoire. One is in Burkina Faso and one is in Nigeria. So the co-founder in Burkina Faso and Nigeria, they're not running any... They are starting they, very soon. They've been helping in what you're doing at the moment. At the moment, what they are doing is research. You know, for instance, the practice is totally different. Um, the guy in Nigeria is in the northern part of Nigeria, and there's nothing like that. And Recycling is in Lagos. Echo Future is also in Lagos. So he's doing a lot of research work to find recycling companies there instead of transporting all the way to Lagos. So these are some of the research works, the market dynamics. Again, they are hoping to start as soon as possible. And so you need a bit of money to get that going. Yeah. So I'm going to end this podcast by asking you a series of firearm questions I needed to answer. And are you okay with that? Sure. What is your biggest business pain point? Can you break it down? What is the pain point that you're going through now as in your business? The pain point. The pain point, yeah. Yeah, so it's logistics. Logistics. Yeah, because currently what the agent does is they carry this waste on their head. It's annoying and they move it. Today it was raining. We were just coming from the collection point. It was raining. Our agents were in the rain carrying such a water. It was dripping on their bodies and they move it. So if logistics is available, all we just have to do is to carry the truck right from the house to move them on the truck, you know, consistently. And, and that problem I believe has been solved um, at the moment because we secured the truck and it's rolled out next week. But then it can only collect from few places. Exactly. So logistically, we still have that challenge. What is your number one growth metric? What is the numbers that you look at in your business that indicate that you are growing? So the number of subscribers and also the number of... people that you collect. Exactly. And then the number of waste we collect every month. Exactly. Also the number of schools and how many cages we generate from those schools and how much we are making in sales. Which book are you reading at the moment? So I'm really thinking, go rich. This is the ninth reading. The Napoleon. Napoleon Hill. Yeah. It's a 
ninth time you're reading it. It is the ninth time I'm reading it. Which business is getting you excited apart from Colibar? So apart from Colibar. Or any other business you're running. So which other business is getting you excited? So um, basically EcoFuture, it's more like a model like Colibar. But in Nigeria, I've met her. She's a very wonderful lady. What's and the name of the lady? I'm not good at keeping names. Though. Okay, that's fine. Yes. Um, so I met her at um, Enterprise Summit, which was held in March. And she's a very wonderful. She came for the President Obama yearly program as well. And um, her model was equally the same. And she's been directing me. I don't have experience in the waste sector. And this is some of the challenges that people ask. Do you have any experience in the waste sector? No. But I don't think today you need an, a full background in waste sector to go into waste. Because yeah, everything is learned the hard way. That's true. Yeah, her um, name is Destiny. I remember Destiny. Now. Yeah, Destiny. Uh, she's from, are they recycling from Benin? Benin, exactly. We cyclists. No, no. We cyclists Lagos. Uh, Echo so, Future. Echo Future. Because yeah. I remember that. That name rings a bell. I think I've met her before. I met um, Frederick Destiny. Yeah, Frederick, exactly. Frederick Destiny. Okay, that's very good. Really enjoy speaking to you. Really enjoy what you're doing. I I like it. And and it's interesting talking to you now. Thank you very much for coming. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your time. This series is in partnership with the British Council in Nigeria. The British Council is the UK's international organization for cultural relations and educational opportunities. All opinions expressed by me and the podcast guests are solely ours and does not reflect the opinion or policies of the British Council. For more information about the British Council, go to britishcouncil.org.ng. There is no single pathway to entrepreneurial success. Most of the entrepreneurs I've interviewed on this podcast have gone through unique ways to reach their goals. But there are similar milestones along the journey. There are common questions every entrepreneur should address as they build their business. How do I find an idea I should pursue? How do I validate the idea? How do I build the product? How do I launch it? How do I find and reach customers? How do I grow revenue and scale? How do I build community? Unity around my product? How do I build a team that we execute? How do I raise money? These are the fundamental questions every entrepreneur should be asking. The Hustle Bootcamp program will help you tackle these questions. The Hustle Bootcamp is an intensive five-week online program for high-performing individuals who want to build profitable, scalable, and fundable business in Africa. This is not your average online course. It is a coaching program. Everything in the course is designed towards enabling you to launch your new business or innovate an existing one. We are prioritizing transformation over information. There are five models in the program and they will be delivered over video along with worksheets, action plans, and step-by-step guides. But more importantly, every week during the program, have a hosting live office hours Q&A where we'll be breaking down key aspects of the course. And I'll have some of the guests from this podcast in the live Q&A. If you really want to be scale or get funding for your own business this is the program for you registration is now open and it will be closing it very soon we have very limited seats go to the bootcamp.com that is t-h-e-h-u-s-t-l-e bootcamp.com the bootcamp.com and register now you've been listening to building the future podcast by dalton These are the interviews with entrepreneurs that are playing a key part in shaping the African future. And you'll be able to hear all their stories. For more, sign up for the weekly newsletter at thestarter.com. Our revolution will be televised.
Hey everyone, thanks so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed the show. Before you go, I have a favor to ask you, and it will take 30 seconds of your time or less. It will mean a lot to me. If you like this podcast, you can easily let me know by going into iTunes, Teacher, SoundCloud, or wherever you download podcasts and subscribe. You can also go to our website, thestarter.com. That is T H E S T A R T A com and sign up for our newsletter it will be a huge favor to me and it's really simple and easy if you subscribe now it will help us a lot thanks